96. Well, anything that's worth doing has its frustrations, doesn't it? Did you ever come across those nice little pithy sayings up by P8 somebody? One of them is, a problem worthy of attack proves its worth by hitting back. And it certainly hit back programming did. Well, that was the, that was the fun of it. It was so difficult making it fit the space because there was so little storage. You had to be so careful. I mean, nowadays when you've got megabytes and gigabytes and goodness knows how many bytes, you can't imagine what it was like when you've only got 64 20-bit numbers. It's nothing. It's nothing and you have to be very careful. Well, one of the things you could do, which you couldn't do on more sophisticated programmers later, you there were instructions for taking a number from anywhere in the computer and adding to it. So you could actually alter the get the program to alter the instructions, which was good fun, but it made it very difficult to check because you didn't know quite what the instructions said by the time you got there. It, yes, you could be, you could be clever that way. It could be you could be very ingenious with altering the instructions, making the program alter itself. It was thought to be unsound. Well, risky. You know, it made it so difficult to get the program right. And if somebody else was trying to read the program, they wouldn't understand it. You have to know where every binary binary digit is going. You do. Yes, you did. You had to know completely what was going on in the computer. I don't think you had to understand the how the vowels worked, but you did have to have a good grasp of how the logic went. The technical requirements of dial-up homes seem quite straightforward to us now, but back then it was no easy feat to rig up multiple telephone lines to a bank of relatively primitive recording devices. There were 15 machines and you could call into these telephone numbers from any place in New York. There was a telephone number that was genuinely publicized. Laura Hopman is a curator at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, where in 1970, dial-up home became part of an exhibition called Information. So you could pick up the telephones, but you could also dial from anywhere uh, you wanted to, and then you would get a poem at random. And the, the machines were 12 inches square, the front of them, and 32 inches long, 32 inches long, the answering machine almost was three just feet, big, just a few huge, inches less than three, three feet. feet long and about two feet wide. And he, they put them right next to one another and there are all these you know, wires plugged in. In a way, it was very mechanical. And then inside, because they broke on a case, they broke and you, you unscrew these metal plates, like a U-shaped metal plate slipped off this heavy, heavy thing. And inside was a, a round cylinder, a lacquer cylinder, which every day when you could re-record on the lacquer. From an antique technology of the 1940s in Coney Island, where you can, or amusement parks, where you can record over and over again. Well, so that, that was it. And, and they were very durable. We got millions of calls. And, and eventually, some of them you, you'd wear down, and the telephone company would replace it. I've met a handful of senior military leaders in my life. They're not like CEOs who represent an infinite range of variation on the general theme of tall white guy. Generals are the product of one of the world's largest and most rigorous meritocracies. To get to the top, they've had to be more disciplined than the disciplined people, and then, at the next level up, smarter than the smart people, then, at the level after that, more charismatic than the charismatic people, and on and on, all the way up to five stars. 
Generals are the winners of a single elimination tournament that goes on for 30 years. Four, twelve, fifty-six.